And I think this is an important point for our own lives today. Though others may attempt to lead us down certain paths, it's important for us to seek God's path, God's plan for our lives. I can tell you this, when Lola and I felt God was opening the door for us to go out to California, where I would attend Calvary Chapel School of Ministry, if it was up to my mom and Lily's mom and dad, we would have never made the journey because they thought we were fools for doing so. But you need to hear from the Lord. What, what is the Lord saying? And if you are convinced that the Lord is leading you, then of course, take that journey. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Tonight we are looking at Genesis 46 and 47 from Beersheba to Egypt. We got Jacob and his family traveling down to Egypt, and we find in chapter 46 that he has to make a pit stop in Beersheba. And I picked out uh, two verses as key verses in this chapter, uh, verses 3 and 4, where it says, So he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make of you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also surely bring you up again, and Joseph will put his hands on your eyes. And so we have been in this continued saga of Joseph and his brothers and the revelation of Joseph to his brothers, last week's teaching, now the brothers letting their father know that Joseph is alive and is, and is in Egypt and has called for them, not just to come and visit, but to come and stay in Egypt because there were five years of famine still coming. And so two years have been bad. There was five more coming. And we'll see just how bad it got in chapter 47 tonight in the land of Egypt and also in the land of Canaan. So Jacob is called by his son. He's packed up. He's ready to go. But he had to go to Beersheba. He had to stop and make sacrifices to God to get reassurance from the Lord that this was exactly 
what the Lord was calling him to do. And I'll explain more about that as soon as we get into the teaching here tonight. Looking at Genesis 46, we pick up in verses 1 through 4, where God reassures Israel. And so Israel took his journey with all that he had, and he came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. Then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. So he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt. I will also surely bring you up again. And Joseph will put his hands on your eyes. So before Israel, Jacob, could take the trip to Egypt, he needed to stop in Beersheba. He had to offer sacrifices to God. He had to seek the Lord's will for his life. And Beersheba was a significant place for Israel because this was where he had stopped when he was fleeing from his brother Esau many years before and spent the night there at Beersheba, that God promised Jacob the promise of Abraham and that of Isaac, saying to him in Genesis 28, 13 through 15, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. On the land in which you lie, I give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So there are direct passing on of the promise that God gave to Abraham in Genesis 12:3, where God said to Abraham, in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Speaking of the Messiah that would come from the Abrahamic line. And then he goes on to say, Behold, I am with you. I will keep you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. So once before, Jacob had been at this spot, a place where God had spoken to him and had promised that he would bring him back to the land. Once again, God speaks to him in Beersheba and promises to bring his people back to the land, but blesses him to go, go to Egypt. And perhaps he wanted to seek God's will as whether he should go down to Egypt or not. Remember that Abraham, during a famine, went to Egypt. While he was there in Egypt, he, he lied about Sarah, saying that, She's not my wife. She's really my sister. It was a half-truth for Abraham, but it was still a full lie. Sarah picked up the handmaid, Hagar, who she would later give to Abraham as a wife, who would bear him Ishmael, the son of his flesh. So although Abraham had went to Egypt and God blessed him during that time, he actually picked up baggage from Egypt, uh, like Lot, when he separated to dwell in Sodom, he did so because Sodom reminded him of Egypt. If he had never been to Egypt, it would have never reminded him of Egypt. But 
Genesis 13.10 tells us, Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the plain of Jordan, how it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go toward Zoar. And so Abraham spent time in Egypt, and although God blessed him through the process, in the process, he uh, proved himself to be a liar at that time and uh, picked up Hagar, the handmaid, who would give him a son of his flesh, Ishmael, and he carried baggage. Lot, his nephew, would want to go to Sodom and Gomorrah because it reminded him of Egypt. And though God sustained Abraham while he was in Egypt, it left him with undesirable baggage. Furthermore, Jacob's father, Isaac, was warned by God not to go to Egypt during a famine. God said, stay in the land and I will bless you. And it was in the, during a famine that God said to Isaac, stay and I will bless you. And the Lord that year blessed him 100-fold for his obedience to stay in the promised land. And although Joseph was sure that God had opened the door for his father, for their family to dwell there in Egypt, Israel needed to hear it from the Lord. And I think this is an important point for our own lives today. Though others may attempt to lead us down certain paths, it's important for us to seek God's path, God's plan for our lives. I can tell you this, when Lily and I felt God was opening the door for us to go out to California, where I would attend Calvary Chapel School of Ministry, if it was up to my mom and Lily's mom and dad, we would have never made the journey because they thought we were fools for doing so. And they tried to talk us out of it. In fact, I remember the last day that we were here, my mom wouldn't even talk to me. She was going to hold a grudge on that one. But you need to hear from the Lord. What, what is the Lord saying? And if you are convinced that the Lord is leading you, then of course, take that journey. God came to Jacob in a dream, just as he had done many times before, many years before. And the Lord reassured him that to take his family to Egypt, that God would make a great nation of them there, and then promised that he would bring them back again, bring them up out of the land of Egypt, return to the promised land. And also, he said in verse 4, and Joseph will put his hands on your eyes. And this phrase refers to Joseph being with Jacob when he would pass from this earth, take his final breath, that Joseph would be there with him. And so we have verses 5 through 27. You're going to thank me. I'm not going to read all these verses. But it's the genealogy of Jacob. I'm just going to summarize these points. But we'll begin in verses 5 and 6 where it does say, Then Jacob arose from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried their father Jacob, their little ones, their wives, in the carts which Pharaoh had sent to carry him, so they took their livestock and their goods which they had acquired in the land of Canaan and went to Egypt and Jacob and all his descendants with him. And then they go on to list the sons of Jacob and the grandsons of Jacob. Seventy in all will be listed for us here. In verses 8 through 15, we have 
the sons and grandsons of Jacob through Leah, his first wife, and the sons, of course, being Reuben and Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zubalin, plus the sons that they had, equaling 33 in all. She gave him many descendants. The sons of Zilpha and their grandsons, Gad and Asher, were the sons that was birthed through this handmaid, and with the grandsons equaling 16 in all. The sons of Rachel, we know Joseph and Benjamin and their sons would add up to 14 in all. And the sons of Bilhah, Dan and Naphtali, and their sons equaling the least in the count, seven in all. So 26, all the persons who went with Jacob to Egypt came from his body besides Jacob's sons' wives were 66 persons in all. And although Jacob's genealogy added up to 70 males, and it's pretty much just counting the males here. I went through the list. I counted the names, um, checked them twice, found out who was naughty and nice, and tried to figure this whole passage out because there's some mathematical issues that I'll, I'll show you and I cannot resolve. And those who try to resolve it, they're just you know, subtracting here, adding here to try to make the numbers work. We seem to be off by one or two numbers. But in verse 26, it says there were 66 persons in all who went down. We've got to get it this way too. So all the persons who went with Jacob to Egypt. So they went with Jacob to Egypt. We just counted 70 males. But Joseph and Manasseh and Ephraim are already in Egypt. So we have to subtract them out of it. Ur and Onan had died in Canaan. So we subtract their number out of it. And we are left with 65. We add Jacob into that number. We have 66. 66 persons in all, not including the uh, wives or the daughters who is born to him and a granddaughter. So there's... Uh, one daughter and one granddaughter also named in this list as you go through it. In verse 27, though, it says, And the sons of Joseph who were born to him in Egypt were two persons. All the persons of the house of Jacob who were in Egypt were 70. And so they journeyed from Israel, journeyed down to Egypt with all of his livestock, his goods, his family. And his family had grown to 70 persons in all. 66, which he brought with him from the land of Canaan. And then Joseph, his two sons, already being there in Egypt, brings us to 69. If we add Jacob, that's 70. Perhaps that's the math that works best. When you look at the Septuagint, which Luke read from, Stephen giving uh, testimony, talking about those who came up, he gave the number 75. And in the Septuagint. The Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Old Testament scriptures. They have the number here as 75. So uh, we have in the New Testament that 75 number counts, which they no doubt got from the Septuagint. So there are some issues with the numbers and people try to subtract and add to get it to all work out perfectly. I seem to 
have it get off by one number every way I tried. I'll let the smart people work on this one. Uh, It's not going to be me. So while Jacob's genealogy, though, is the primary focus upon the male descendants, Dinah, his daughter, is named, and Sarah, a granddaughter, is named as well, which is kind of unique to have the women named here in Scripture at this point and juncture, but they were named. And again, the children, the wives, uh, the granddaughters, which I have to believe were many, So quite a large company went to Egypt with them. They came to Egypt, verses 28 through 30, it says, And he sent Judah before him to Joseph to point out before him the way to Goshen. And they came to the land of Goshen. So Joseph made ready his chariot, went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. And he presented himself to him, fell on his neck, wept on his neck a good while, It had been at least 22 plus years since they had seen one another. So I would imagine, yeah, they wept for a good while. And Israel said to Joseph, now let me die since I've seen your face because you are still alive. For 22 years, Jacob had thought that Joseph had been torn by a wild beast. He had no idea what had actually happened to his son. I wonder how that story was relayed to Jacob. What do you mean he's alive? Well, Dad, see, it goes like this. You know, back 22 years ago when you gave him the coat of many colors and how we hated him so much? Well, we decided we'd kill him, but we didn't kill him. We threw him in a pit, sold him as a slave. I I imagine that that made some difficult holiday meals over this subject. Yet, by this point, Joseph had already reassured his brothers that what they did, though, they did it with evil intent. God had sent him there to save many people alive. And still, we will discover in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, that the brothers, 17 years later from this point, would still be worried that Joseph would want retribution against them. We'll learn about that in chapter 50, as I said. For Israel, not only did he weep with Joseph for a good while, he said, now let me die since I've seen your face. But he would actually live another 17 years in the land of Egypt, as we'll see in chapter 47. So it was, verses 31 through 34, Then Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and say to him, My brothers and those of my father's house who are in the land of Canaan have come to me. And the men are shepherds, for their occupation has been to feed livestock, and they have brought their flocks and their herds and all that they have. So it will be when Pharaoh calls you, and says, what is your occupation? That you say your servant's occupation has been with livestock from our youth, even till now, both we and also our fathers, that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. Remember back when we studied last week where Joseph had 
lunch with his brothers, and it specifically tells us that the brothers all sat together at one table. The Egyptians sat in another group, and Joseph sat by himself. Well, Joseph sat by himself because he was not an Egyptian, not because of his rank that he held there in Egypt, but because he was a Jewish man. He was separated from the Egyptians that he saved. But also we have this teaching here that the Egyptians viewed shepherds as an abomination, but this also worked in the favor of the nation of Israel. It caused them to remain a separate people group in the land of Egypt. They would not be assimilated into the land, but for the next 430 years, grow into a great people, just as God promised Jacob. Go down to Egypt and you will become a great nation there and I will bring you up from the land. But God did this by separating the nations, the nation of Israel and the nation of Egypt, though they all occupied the same land at that time. Their occupation, being a shepherd, being an abomination to the Egyptians, kept them separate there that God would keep them pure, which was what Israel needed at that time. It may not have happened if they remained in the land of Canaan, but it certainly happened for them to be a distinct people group there in the land of Egypt. Before we close out this chapter, and it seems like I'm going through it fairly quick, I think it's important for us to hear from the Lord each day of our lives. And we can do this through reading the Word of God, devotional reading and prayer, studying the Word of God, uh, coming to church, fellowshipping with one another. These things are all important. And at times in our lives, we're going to have those big decision moments that we need to make. And it could be that there could be open doors to go one way or to go another way. You could have more than one open door And just because the door is open, it doesn't necessarily mean that God's will is that you go through that door. We need to, and I don't know where your pit stop would need to be, but, you know, if you have a Beersheba-type place, Jacob went to Beersheba to offer sacrifices to the Lord. He wanted to hear from the Lord. And sometimes we need to just hear from the Lord. We need to get alone. We need to seek the Lord's face. We need to know that, Lord, you're calling me into this because if we have the confidence that God is calling us to take certain steps, certain paths in our lives, then it will give us the strength to stay the course when things may not always necessarily go as planned as you might plan in your life. I don't like how it came about, but it came about about four months after my, this is the part I don't like, my dad passed away. Went to be with the Lord, and about four months later, the Lord called me to preach. Now, I had been for two years seeking the Lord as to what he would have me do with my life. I had been in a Christian band for 10 years, and I thought that was God's plan for my life, being a a bass player and a singer in a band. And the what was becoming 
uh, the evangelist of our group, although I don't consider myself the evangelist. I ended up doing most of the salvation appeals during our concerts. I look back at that now and see that the Lord was grooming me during that time, getting me comfortable being in front of people, presenting the gospel to people. But I thought that was where the Lord had called me. But once I stepped out of that at the age of 27, I began searching, seeking the Lord, asking for direction. And I wanted to know his call for my life. And he, he gave me that call. As I said, on a, about four months after my dad passed away, it happened to be on a Sunday morning that I felt the Lord call me to preach the gospel. And he used a, a verse from the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 14, that says, and how can they hear without a preacher? And I read those words and I knew the Lord was asking me personally that question. And I responded to the gospel that day. And so I think it's important for us to hear from the Lord to do that daily. But if we know the call, we know what God has put upon our heart, then it gives us the confidence to walk in faith with the plan that God has given for our lives. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.